0: This week's enshrinement of the great Tony Baselli brings about a story that I always associate with Tony, who had a Hall of Fame career, obviously, uh, even though he was a short one. But it always reminds me of Eli Herring. Who's Eli Herring? I'm getting ready to tell you. I uh, want to first tell you about the uh, great website that we're proud of, LandryFootball.com. Please check it out today. Um, Follow us on Twitter at LandryFootball. But uh, LandryFootball.com is where you can get uh, insights that are unique from a coaching and scouting perspective. On the college game, the NFL game, recruiting to the draft, all stops football. One stop shopping football is LandryFootball.com. All the teams... Uh, all the players. If it involves players, teams, coaches, schemes, we got it for you at LandryFootball.com. Check it out today. We got a special football season sale. Um, check for a limited time only. Uh, check it out, and uh, you can try it by a month or a year. Uh, but we cover uh, everything and uh, from a coaching and scouting perspective. So Tony Baselli went into the Hall of Fame and what a great player he was at USC and what a great player he was in Jacksonville. He didn't have a very long career, it's seven seasons. Um but he was a great he was a great talent. Uh, he was um but he was a um you know um someone that had the natural requisites to be a left tackle. He was First of all, he was big, he was strong, he was long, but he could bend. He could slide, he could redirect. He was just he was a great player. Now, he um, had some injuries that cut his career short. He was actually taken in the first selection of the Houston Texans expansion draft, but he retired without playing for them due to injuries. Um, but he was, uh, he was the first Jacksonville Jaguar to be inducted to the Hall of Fame. Great, great player, uh, great talent deserves all the credit. I want to talk a little bit more about him, Um, but he's just uh, really um, a great guy who's been a lifelong um, uh, supporter of Jacksonville and the Jaguars. He's got numerous business adventures along the area. They've um, they've got, uh, along with Mark Vernell and uh, Brian Schwartz, they've got Investments in mattress firm, bedding stores in Jacksonville. Um, You know, um, I think he may have sold interest in it uh, as a founding partner in a marketing uh, company with a couple of friends. So uh, he's lived in Ponte Vedra for a long time with his wife and five kids. And um, his son, Andrew, uh, received a scholarship recently to Florida State, uh, played um, for Florida State during that time. I think he does color commentary for um, for some broadcasting uh, locally in Jacksonville. But he's had a great career. But the interesting story, and again, first-round pick in the 95 draft, and uh, was a interesting story. A couple of things come to mind. One, Jacksonville was picking two after Carolina picking one. We, meaning the Houston Oilers, were picking third. We had just gotten there, and we had inherited basically the worst team in the league, and yet we had the third pick in the draft because the expansion teams had the top two. Tom Coughlin's coaching at Jacksonville at the time, and he gets on the phone at the number two pick, and he calls us saying that, um, and I think it was known, probably because too many people in our front office uh, ran their mouth a little too much about kind of what our intentions were with Steve McNair taking him. Tom Coughlin got on the phone and said, look, we've got an offer to move down Uh, Minnesota, I believe it was, uh, maybe another team or two, was interested in moving up to take Steve McNair. Uh, They'd give us the second pick to prevent him just to move down one spot, and they wanted a third-round pick. We called his bluff. And after we called his bluff, Jacksonville handed in the card and took Tony pacelli They didn't have a trade partner. They were trying to create one with us and get an extra third-round pick just by moving down to the third spot, knowing the likelihood that we would take Steve McNair. Anyway, that was the one thing that I think about with Tony. and uh, But the other one was through the draft process. Tony had a um, great career and was maybe as good a player in that draft. Um, but you had a player that probably many of you don't even know. A guy by the name of Eli Herring. And the reason why I'm bringing him up is because Eli had a grade that was commensurate with Tony Pacelli in my mind. And in our draft room, that's how we had them stacked on the board. We had both with the same grade, elite players. Eli was two years older, but in the same draft class. Due to Mormon missions, they tend to have older players at BYU. Um, he was like Baselli. Great feet, great size, could move, could redirect um could anchor against the power rush um could get low and run blocking outstanding talent outstanding dominant but he was a devout member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and he made it known to all 32 teams prior to the draft that he would not be pursuing an NFL career because he would not play on the Sabbath, not play on Sunday. Kind of difficult to have a career in the NFL if you're not available on Sundays. He did... um, First thing is, I know a lot of you are thinking, well, wait a minute. A lot of BYU players go on to the NFL and play on Sundays. Yes, they do. There's no rule against it. BYU does not participate in athletic activities on Sunday. If you notice when for example they don't play, you know, baseball on a on a like a weekend series, they don't play on Sundays. Um when they play in the NCAA men's basketball tournament, they're always put in the Thursday, Saturday bracket, not the, because they can't play on Sundays. They will refuse to do it. Um, But a lot of players that go on and have pro careers, you know, many of them from BYU that played in the NFL. But he, a devout um, believer in his faith, said that he would not play football. He um, went to high school Springville High School in Utah. And uh, he, he uh, went there in 87 and then he went on a mission and then played um, 91 to 94. And again, it was eligible in the draft. Um, he served in a mission, an LDS church mission in Argentina from 88 to 90. Um, he read about and learned about uh, Errol Bennett, who was a professional soccer player in Tahiti, who withdrew from his team after joining the LDS church and deciding not to play on the Sabbath. Herring was impressed by Bennett's commitment and dedication, and he thought it was right. Um, Herring's views on money was also affected. When he arrived, their one U.S. dollar was worth 15 Argentine uh, Australs is what they're called. But by the time he left, a dollar was worth about 10,000 Australs. The period of hyperinflation helped him realize he could not trust in money nor make his decisions on money. That was his view. So he went to college and came back to college, played at BYU. Uh, He was, by the way, he was six eight, three hundred thirty with movement skills. He was bigger than Tony Baselli. He was a little stronger than Tony Baselli with the same type of athleticism. Wore seventy six. Um he was an all conference player selected to the Hula Bowl to play for us there. He also was on the track team. Uh he he put the shot and he married um someone from the LDS church, and and they've since had five kids. He was um, likely going to be a first-round pick. I mean, I you know, I had him graded there. I think a number of teams did. Uh, I know that's where I had him in our draft room uh, with the Houston Oilers. But as I mentioned, he let us all know that he was not going to play. Well, we – took some efforts. Floyd Reese, who's uh, our general manager since deceased, has a brother that was a bishop in the Mormon church. We had him talk to him. You know, the advantages of taking money and putting it towards helping his church and doing good things with it was something we appealed to him. It did not appeal to him. We had other people in the league talk to him that, you know, Again, what are the advantages? Looking at the other players. This was not a BYU thing. This was a Eli Herring thing. He believed in it. Whether you think he was foolish to turn down that type of money or not, it's not important. I think you have to admire his belief in what he, uh, his strong beliefs. The Raiders still drafted him in the sixth round. Why would they do that? You say, well, they felt like, obviously, if you draft him, you own his rights for one year. The hope was, in their mind, that they could convince him to change his mind over the course of the year. I know the Raiders went and saw him after the draft, after drafting him, and offered him $1.5 million. He turned it down. He instead took a job as a teacher at Mountain View High in Utah for twenty two thousand dollars a year. So he and his wife Jennifer um, they married in ninety two, had seven children now, and, and uh, he's still a school teacher and assistant football coach at Mountain View High School in Orm, Utah. Um he's been a counselor and president on the LDS church and you know was a uh, previously served as a bishop for 7 years. So it is uh, again one in which I think about all the time and I wanted to share the story about Eli Herring because if you ask folks most people wouldn't know who he was. He was probably a nondescript guy in the draft because um you know, many people didn't know him as to be as good of a player, but the fact that he declared that he was not interested in playing affected where a lot of people might have known more about him. Obviously, people didn't bother drafting him. Raiders did in the sixth round late just to have his rights for a year. They, they obviously got nothing out of it as he wasn't going to budge on it. But it is a story of a player that had beliefs, Stood by him and turned down the money. And so when we say no one turns down the money, no one would do that, well, there is one example of someone that did turn it down. Whether you uh, what you think of it or not, doesn't really matter. What I think of it or not, doesn't matter. But it is an interesting story, and I wanted to relay it about Eli Herring. Is every time I think about the 95 draft, every time I think about Tony Buscelli, I think about the guy that we had ranked and graded the same with him. Appreciate you joining us for this edition of the Landry Football Podcast. Spread the word about what we're doing, and stories like this, we'll give a bunch of them to you time and time again throughout my career in football, as well as the insights into the game of football uh, each and every day over at LandryFootball.com. Get our notebooks, get our analysis uh, of the uh, players, teams, coaches, schemes, college and NFL level, draft, recruiting, um, breaking down NFL teams, Breaking down college teams, a lot going on now. Check it out at LandryFootball.com, our football season sale. Limited time only. Talk to you next time, everybody.